1: walking the path with the buddha today we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation in order to address this second significant problem that Gautama buddha discovered about the unenlightened mind to help move the mind training it towards this goal of enlightenment so far we've been talking primarily in this group learning program about craving desire attachment this wants or expectations, the way that the mind has this longing with a strong eagerness. And because the mind has this longing or this yearning, wanting something, expecting something, craving through these six senses, that it causes itself to be discontent. And we address that with breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity, which we'll talk more about generosity at another time. But there's also this second problem, and there's even a third one as well, which the second problem is hatred, anger, or ill will. We discussed this as part of the 10 fetters in our last class on Sunday, that one fetter there, fetter number five, is ill will. And this particular fetter, which we also talk about it as a poison or a unwholesome root. It can actually be antidoted with loving kindness. And we use loving kindness meditation to transform the mind, taking it away from this hatred, anger, ill will, and moving it towards this practice of loving kindness, where in daily life, you can practice loving kindness. And that starts with meditation, but then you need to move that into practice in daily life so that in your daily life, you're practicing loving kindness. But what is loving kindness and how do we do loving kindness meditation? That's what today's class is all about. So I'm really pleased that you decided to join us so that I can share what is loving kindness, share some of Gautama Buddha's words about loving kindness because remember, I'm not interested in having you believe me about anything. So we'll actually share Gautama Buddha's words so you can see exactly what he taught And then I'll actually teach you loving-kindness meditation so that you can incorporate it into your meditation practice. And we'll even do a meditation practice today where we'll be using loving-kindness as part of our breathing mindfulness meditation. So if you've been practicing breathing mindfulness meditation over the last month or as part of learning it somewhere else then incorporating loving kindness meditation into your practice is just gonna help further your practice of meditation, but more importantly, it's gonna further your life practice where you can now start practicing loving kindness in daily life and start to extinguish and eliminate some of this unwholesome results, perhaps if you have been hostile or angry or having hatred or ill will towards people or beings around you, what we're going to be teaching you is how to transform that and extinguish it so that now you can bring your loving kindness into your daily life and actually start to experience the benefits of having done so. So if as you have questions today, you can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. Our moderators, James and Bassam will see those and be able to make sure they get asked during the class. If you're in Zoom, you have the added feature of raising your hand electronically to ask any questions or follow-up questions as we go in our class today. So let's go ahead and get started. First, with just talking about what is loving kindness. Loving kindness is active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. If you have ever been around Pali, which is the language that Gautama Buddha's teachings are most famous for because it's the Pali canon that really houses his teachings, but those teachings have been moved into English now. So rather than the Pali word of metta, we use the word loving kindness to represent what the Buddha was teaching in terms of this aspect of practice. Active goodwill is the opposite of ill will this anger this hatred this ill will this is the part of the mind that when you experience something displeasing or something that's disagreeable to you you tend to push it away in thinking that that's going to solve the problem and you may even get angry or hostile or bitter while this is happening and the unenlightened mind thinks that if it just pushes this person or this situation out of the way, then you can maintain this kind of peaceful bubble and you'll be just fine. But the problem with that is every time something disagreeable or displeasing shows up into this bubble, the unenlightened mind wants to keep pushing it away and pushing it away and pushing it away thinking that that's solving the problem, but it never actually solves the problem because the real problem is this anger, hatred, or ill will that's in the mind thinking that if you just push things away and you erect this wall between you and what is displeasing to you, that that's somehow going to solve the problem. But this leaves the practitioner in a position where you can't get along with everybody. You can't have open relationships where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy, no matter what is or is not happening around you. And see, the mind is still craving that permanence. It's still craving for agreeable things. It's still craving for pleasantness. And when it gets that pleasantness, then it experiences those pleasant feelings but when it doesn't get what it wants those pleasant feelings then it experiences the painful feelings and that's what the unenlightened mind is trying to push away it's trying to push away those painful feelings and it's associating those painful feelings with this person or this situation because if the unenlightened mind isn't practicing right view understanding that you are causing your own painful feelings then the unenlightened mind is going to think this other person or this situation is what's causing the painful feelings. And the unenlightened mind wants to push that away, thinking that's going to solve the problem. But a wise practitioner who's practicing right view, understanding that you are causing your own discontentedness and you can eliminate it through the Eightfold Path, if you understand that you're causing all your own discontentedness, the pleasant feelings, painful feelings, and the feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant, well, when this disagreeable, unpleasant situation happens, rather than trying to push it away, what you need to do is practice loving kindness. And loving kindness, you can think about that in daily life as being polite, kind, friendly and respectful to all beings. This is active goodwill or having a genuine interest in seeing others be well. And you need to do that without judgment. Because if you're judging that these people deserve my loving kindness and these people don't, they're being hostile, they're being angry, I don't agree with them and they're disagreeable, they're displeasing, and I'm judging them as that. I'm labeling them as that. Therefore, I'm not going to share loving kindness with them. This is that judgment. This is that comparison, right? So in order to practice active goodwill towards all beings, the mind needs to eliminate judgment and see all beings as equal, practicing this active goodwill or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, all beings be peaceful. It needs to practice that with everybody through being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. So this second poison, or this second unwholesome root, or this second fire, which we're going to talk about when we get to chapter 8, we're going to talk about these three poisons in detail. Loving kindness is the antidote. To this poison of anger, hatred, or ill will. Another way to think about it is if the anger, hatred, and ill will is the unwholesome root, loving kindness is the wholesome root. It's the antidote, it's the remedy for hatred, anger, and ill will. So it helps to eliminate any kind of harshness or bitterness hostility, resentment in the mind, and we practice this in meditation, but like I mentioned, you have to bring that into your daily life. Loving kindness shows up as part of what we call the Brahma Viharas, which we will also be discussing in chapter 13. So you're going to see these various themes in the Buddhist teachings with the layers of his teachings being pulled back and uncovered piece by piece as we go through this program. So we're going to be talking about loving kindness at different times. We're going to be practicing loving kindness for the next four weeks in our Wednesday meditation sessions, and we'll be practicing it after that as well. But it's important that you learn and then implement it into your meditation practice and then implement loving kindness itself, the practice of that into your life practice. Let me just see if there's any questions before we move on with what is loving kindness itself.
2: Looks like we have no questions at this time, David.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward there, right? Well, let's look at how loving kindness plugs into the Eightfold Path because one of the things that I talked about as we were previewing the Eightfold Path and we were going into those three sessions and talking about the Eightfold Path I talked about how the Eightfold Path is the core teaching of the Buddha, and pretty much everything plugs into that, and that is the life practice, the Eightfold Path. Well, we've got a couple of places here where we can investigate the Eightfold Path, and we can see where loving kindness plugs right into it. Here, with the second step of the Eightfold Path being Right Intention, you can see that when the Buddha talks about right intention, he says the intention of renunciation, the intention of non ill will, which is another way of saying goodwill, right? Non ill will, because it's a double negative, right? The intention of harmlessness, this monk's is called right intention. So, right here in the second step of the Eightfold Path, he's talking about essentially practicing goodwill because without this intention of harmlessness, this intention of non-ill will, then this whole natural law of gamma of cause and effect and action and result, essentially the result of your decisions, by setting your intention that you aren't interested in harming other beings, then this is going to only propagate throughout the rest of your life practice, when we talk about speech and actions and livelihood and right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, everything that we do on this path is all based in harmlessness, doing no harm to any beings. So you can see it right there in right intention. And then when he talks about right speech and we get into the five factors of well-spoken speech, he calls it out directly right? He talks in the fifth factor of the five factors of well-spoken speech that in order to speak in a way that doesn't cause harm, he says that the speech should be spoken with a mind of loving kindness. And if you remember those five factors, the first factor is spoken at the right time, what we say is true, spoken gently, what we say is beneficial, and spoken with a mind of loving kindness. You can even think about all of these really being loving kindness because this active goodwill, or what I'm kind of also saying is polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. Well, to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, we would speak at the right time. What we would say is true. We would speak gently, right? We would speak beneficially. And then the Buddha sums this up with, in a mind of loving kindness. And then he goes on to talk in the five factors of well-spoken speech about blameless speech, about not blaming others. So this whole practice of the Eightfold Path in this life practice that you're building is really in a lot of ways permeating and filled with loving kindness. Here we can see even more where the Buddha is talking in another place, not in the Eightfold Path, but in another place of his teachings, he's talking about the type of speech that might be encountered as we end up progressing in our life. He talks about those five factors, but he talks about both sides. He says, you know, speech might be spoken at the right time, or it might be untimely. It might be true, or it might be false. This is people speaking to us. It might be gentle or it might be harsh. It might be beneficial or it might be unbeneficial. It might be spoken with loving kindness or it might be infused with hate, essentially, is what he's talking about. Harshness, right? And he says other people might speak to us this way. And he says, you know, what should we do when other people speak to us. Either they speak to us with the five factors of well-spoken speech, or they don't speak to us with the five factors of well-spoken speech. Because depending on where you live, you may not have very many people that are practicing these teachings, and they may not be practicing the five factors of well-spoken speech. So what you may be encountering on a regular basis is people who speak at the wrong time, people who speak falsely people who speak harshly, people who speak unbeneficially, people who speak with harshness and hate. And here's what the Buddha says when you encounter anybody at all. He says, herein monks, you should train thus. Our minds will remain unaffected and we shall utter no evil words. We shall reside compassionate for their welfare with a mind of loving-kindness, without inner hate. We shall reside enveloping that person with a mind filled with loving-kindness, and starting with him, we shall reside enveloping the all-encompassing world with a mind filled with loving-kindness, abundant, joyful, immeasurable, without hostility, and without ill-will. That is how you should train, monks right? So what he's getting to here is if somebody else is speaking harshly or someone else is speaking unbeneficially or someone else is speaking with hate, it doesn't serve any good purpose for us to speak with evil words. It doesn't do us any good to return that anger and hostility with anger and hostility, right? The old adage, two wrongs don't make a right kind of thing. So if someone else is being angry and hostile with us, this is just a result of the decisions we've made, either the relationships that we're in, the occupation and the workplace that we've chosen, the place that we might live. Perhaps the people that are being angry, hateful, and harsh with us are people that we were angry and harsh with in the past. And now this is the result of our harshness coming out to them, now coming back to us. Well, you don't extinguish this hatred, this anger, this ill will coming to you from others by returning more hatred, anger, and ill will. You've actually got to get to the point where you are no longer speaking with anger, hatred, and ill will that you utter no evil words. Because if you're calm if you're polite, if you're friendly, if you're respectful, and that's the way you're being, and the other people are being angry and hostile with you, well, that's on them. It's causing them harm, not you. But if you start speaking with a mind of hate, and you start speaking this way, and you start having actions based on this, then it's going to cause you harm. But What happens is that ego, right? That self that we were talking about on Sunday, when somebody speaks angrily or harsh with you, you might feel like, oh, I'm not gonna take this. I'm gonna come up over the top of them. There's no way I'm gonna allow them to talk to me like this. I've gotta show them who's boss. Well, now you're just being angry and hostile back and it doesn't help your practice. The more anger, hostility that you put out, the more anger and hostility and bitterness that's going to come back to you. So you've got to train to the point where even in situations where people are being angry and harsh with you, you can get to the point where the mind is unaffected and you utter no evil words. And the way that you do that is through loving kindness meditation. Training in loving kindness meditation during your meditation practice And then bring that into your daily life and more and more and more, this will transform the mind. It's not going to be just one session and everything's fixed, right? The mind didn't get this way in just one 30 minute session or one hour session. It took many weeks, months and years for the mind to accumulate all this conditioning where it's now perhaps being angry and harsh with others. So you're gonna need some time to transform this. And that's the gradual training and gradual progress that the Buddha talks about. And the meditation is the way to actually do that. So let's look at some of the words the Buddha talks specifically about meditation. Because remember, I'm not interested in you believing anything that I say. So I'm showing you the Buddha's words directly. And the beauty is that he spoke so clearly and so precisely, so concisely, that there's no interpretation here whatsoever. It's just clearly his words. This first bullet point about meditation with loving kindness, and these are just a few that I've drawn out of his teachings, he's talking to his son, Rahula. Some people think that the Buddha left his family and never actually came back, but he actually did. And his son and his wife and his stepmother and cousins, and a lot of people came and joined him to actually be part of his community. So Rahula is his son, and he's speaking here to his son. Rahula, develop meditation on loving kindness. For when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned. It doesn't get much more clear than that. I showed you guys on Sunday, where ill will is one of the fetters, one of the things that is keeping the mind in the unenlightened state that needs to be abandoned. It needs to be eliminated from the mind. And here, the Buddha is giving you the solution. The fetter is telling you what the problem is. It's saying, here's the problem. There's ill will in the mind. It's keeping you in the unenlightened state where you can't be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy with everybody around you here's the problem. And now here's the Buddha saying what the solution is. Develop meditation on loving kindness. For when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned. And then the next one, loving kindness should be developed to abandon ill will, plain and simple. And then here's a third one. He says, suppose they should ask, But what, friends, is the reason unarisen anger does not arise and arisen anger is abandoned. So he's saying, you know, if somebody asks you how to not allow anger to arise and any anger that has arisen, how do you get rid of it? And anger, hatred, ill will, these are all the same things in the Buddhist teachings right? So suppose they ask you, but what, friends, is the reason unarisen anger does not arise? That's preventing the anger from arising. And any arisen anger is abandoned, right? This is talking about right effort, right? Because we talked about right effort as preventing any unwholesome mental states from arising and abandoning any unwholesome mental states. So that's what he's talking about there. And then here he gives the answer. You should answer the liberation of mind by loving kindness. For one who attends carefully to the liberation of mind by loving kindness, unarisen anger does not arise and arisen anger is abandoned. This, friends, is the reason Unarisen anger does not arise, and arisen anger is abandoned. So he's giving you the solution right here, all in one piece. He's talking about the problem. He's talking about right effort, and he's talking about the solution here with loving-kindness meditation. So now that you understand that loving-kindness meditation is the practice that we use in order to transform this anger, hatred, and ill will and it remedies this to now help us to eliminate any anger that's in the mind and prevent any anger that has arisen in the mind. Now, let's actually talk about how to do loving kindness meditation. So far, what you've learned in this program is breathing mindfulness meditation. This is where we're focused on the breath, any thoughts or ideas or perceptions that come to mind. If the mind goes to the past or goes to the future, you let it go and you focus on the breath. This is addressing that craving, desire, attachment. And what I suggest for you is you lead into your meditation with that. It's really, really good to lead into loving kindness meditation with breathing mindfulness meditation whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, totally up to you. So you lead in with that. Then you start loving kindness meditation, which is very different than what we've been doing with breathing mindfulness meditation. You do loving kindness meditation for a period of time, then you finish up with five, 10, however many minutes of breathing mindfulness meditation. And remember, you're not timing anything here. You're not actually timing it. You're just going with the flow, whatever feels right. You just start with breathing mindfulness, move into loving kindness, and then you finish up with breathing mindfulness meditation. What you're going to do, and I'm going to guide you through this today, is we'll guide you in breathing mindfulness meditation to get that started, and we'll do that for however long. I'm not going to time it. But then at some point, after there's quiet and you've worked on eliminating any chatter or anything that's going on in the mind, rather than just ending the meditation like I normally do after that quiet period, I'm going to actually come in with some more guidance. I'm going to come in with some affirmations. And when I say these affirmations, you say them in the mind. I'm going to say them out loud because I'm guiding you in meditation. But if you were just observing me doing meditation from afar on my own, you wouldn't even know I was doing loving kindness meditation because all of this is happening inside the mind. So the only reason why I'm saying these affirmations out loud is because I'm guiding you guys. So for you, when you're doing your meditation, you just do the affirmation quietly in the mind. And that's what helps to transform the mind with loving kindness. The affirmations, they start with you or I. Even though we talked about there is no self, we need to use these pronouns in order to help us because the language is not really fitting to describe what's really happening here with this body and this mind. So we start with you or I, right? You start with yourself because you can't have loving kindness for others if you don't first have it for yourself. It's kind of like How could a poor person teach how to become wealthy? Because they themselves don't know how to become wealthy. How could they ever share wealth with others if they themselves are poor? So you've got to develop loving kindness for your own self, even though there is no self. Because oftentimes we have this negative self-talk. We have this negative self-chatter. We have this diminished self-esteem this diminished self-respect, and again, there is no self, but we're talking about directing it at our mind that we don't have this for our own self, okay? Just using that language as a way to refer to this mind, okay? So that's why you got to start with you, right? So the affirmation here is, may I be peaceful. And we're using this affirmation, peaceful, because it doesn't require you to do anything we're not saying may i be kind right we're not saying may i be respectful even though i'm saying that's how to practice it in daily life polite kind friendly and respectful but in our meditation we're not interested in burdening ourselves with anything we're interested in just training the mind to be peaceful okay and then the second affirmation is, may I be safe, because that doesn't require you to do anything. May I be well. And then may I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Right. This is essentially, may you eliminate all this discontentedness. May you attain enlightenment. Right? That's kind of the goal, the objective, the interest that you're setting here with this affirmation. Then you expand your ring from you or I to a little bit further. And I oftentimes will start, may we, meaning those of us in the class, may we be peaceful. May we be safe. May we be well. May we be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. And then you can go through successive rings. You can do this by relationship. You can do it, you know, may my parents, may my life partner, may my children, may my neighbors, you know, siblings, you know, you can do it that way. You can do it based on geography, you know, based on your neighborhood, your town, your state, your country, the continent, you know, so forth and so on. You can do this many different ways and eventually you would like to get to the point where it's all beings, where you've totally encompassed all beings and you haven't left anyone out. So you'll hear me do this over the course of this entire program where I'll change how I do this every time. What you're seeing in the slides is you're seeing three rings that are very simple, but I can tell you that I don't really do it this way. It's just an example to help you see because I couldn't put 8 or 10 or 12 rings of phrases here that I normally do more than 3 rings but if you're just starting out and you would like to do 3 rings you can do just these 3 rings of may I we may all beings. Typically what you would like to do is anybody in your life that you're having challenges with that you're finding it difficult to Have loving kindness for these people, you would like them to show up in your meditation. And I've given the example in the past where, as I grew up, I had a really difficult relationship with my mom. So, when I first started out with loving kindness meditation, I used to always include my mom individually as her own individual ring. And it took a good six months or more of doing that before finally. I was able to release the resentment and hostility that I had for her based on the things that I grew up with. And having done so, it allowed us to open up our relationship and it allowed me to now practice in a really good way of interacting with her with loving kindness. So remember that this meditation and this entire practice on the path to enlightenment is all about changing your mind right? It's all about changing your mind. There's nothing here that is a prayer or that you're trying to change other people through your affirmations. Because even in the situation where I was working very closely to eliminate any kind of anger or hostility I had for my mom, I would still go around her and she would sometimes be angered and hostile with me. But because I had changed my mind, And I had started practicing loving kindness more and more and more and more. Then slowly, she started responding to me differently. I wasn't doing this practice because I was trying to change her. I was trying to change my mind so that when I went around her or I used to do this a lot when I was in America and I had certain customers that were challenging or certain students. There might have been certain employees that I was having challenges with. Our landlord at one time, who I was renting space from, was causing a lot of challenges based on some of the decisions he was making. So I needed to have loving kindness for all of these people and many more around me. So I ensured that they showed up in my meditation for however long I needed, for two weeks, two months, what have you, in order to ensure that I was improving the condition of my mind. Because once you improve the condition of your mind, now when you're around that person, the mind is gonna be softened a bit, and now you'll start speaking differently with them. Your actions will be differently around them. They still might not choose to change, right? Because the change is on them. They need to choose to decide to change, but you're changing. And now more and more and more, you start changing the mind in meditation, and then when you go out into the world, You start interacting with people in a very different way than perhaps that you're interacting with them now and what you're going to find is people are going to observe that you are practicing loving kindness even though they're not on this path perhaps but this is going to improve your gamma this is going to improve the results because your decision is to cultivate this loving kindness and practice this loving kindness in daily life. So therefore, the more and more and more that you do this around all the different relationships that you have, whether it's life partners, children, family, co-workers, your bosses, your neighbors, even people that you have a 30-second relationship with, I suggest you practice loving kindness right? If you have a gas station attendant, if you have a delivery person who's delivering packages at your door, if you're ordering pizza and pizza comes to your door or any kind of delivery or whatever, even though it's a 30-second relationship, practice loving kindness and just get in the habit of every single person that you interact with that you practice loving kindness because then it becomes easier and easier and easier because you're chipping away at this harshness and this bitterness. So for example, when delivery people show up here to our house, I always why them. I always say, hello, how are you? How's your day going? We make the exchange very politely, very kindly. And before they leave, I always remember to why them. And then I say, and tie to them, I say, have a very wonderful day, right? And even though there was just a two or three minute relationship there, I was practicing loving kindness and that will bring you joy. This is how the mind is liberated because no longer are you dealing with this wall of hostility, this wall of bitterness, this wall of resentfulness, this wall of anger and hatred. You're breaking through that with loving kindness. and When you get on the other side of that wall, it's actually so much easier to go around and practice loving kindness with everybody. And the more you practice loving kindness with people, and you're doing that with everyone around you, when the occasional person shows up and starts being hostile and angry with you, you know it's not anything you did because you've been practicing loving kindness in meditation and in daily life for a year, two, three, four. So your mind can reside peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy because you know that you're always practicing loving kindness. So if this person is choosing to be harsh or bitter with you, you can just have compassion for them, concern for their misfortune, along with having this active goodwill or interest to see them be peaceful. And you know that you just met this delivery person, for example, if they're being bitter and harsh and aggressive, well, you didn't cause that right? They're choosing to practice that way. But what you'll notice is by you practicing loving kindness more and more and more, not just meditation, but in daily life, people around you will slowly change. That's not the goal. That's not what you're looking for. That's not what you're aspiring for. You've got to stay focused on your practice. But with this cause and effect, this action and result, this natural law of gamma, the result of your decisions. If you change, the people around you can't stay the same. They just won't do it. They're going to end up slowly, gradually changing. And again, that's not what you're trying to do. You're not attached to that. You're not trying to force that. Your meditation by itself isn't going to instantly change them. But by you changing your conduct, right? Remember the Eightfold Path, wisdom, moral conduct, mental discipline. By you having this wisdom now about how loving kindness can transform the hate and anger and ill will in your mind, and by you now improving your moral conduct in daily life and having the mental discipline to be able to do that in every situation, whether it's a 30-second relationship or it's a 30-year relationship. Having the mental discipline, applying that right effort, applying that mindfulness, applying that concentration to practice loving kindness in daily life, people can't stay the same. They're going to need to change, or perhaps you just make decision to kind of move on with your life, and that's just perhaps what you choose to do. So let me pause here and see if you guys have any questions on the actual meditation that we're going to be doing.
2: Hi, David. Gloria has her hand raised in Zoom, so I'm going to go ahead and ask her to unmute.
1: Perfect.
3: Hello. Can you hear me?
1: I sure can, Gloria.
3: Very good. Good evening and good morning here in the United States.
1: Oh, thank Um, you.
3: And thank you for um, what you're doing for all of us. Um, so my question is um, I just wonder I know you have you have been speaking about my question I think maybe it has been responded already but I just wonder what what is the magic or what is it that the love and kindness meditation does in the mind I know you you were talking about it um and I think I was like oh he responded but um you know for me it's like What's going on, what what happens in the mind by us repeating these beautiful sentences.
1: Yeah, so we're going to lead into loving kindness with breathing mindfulness meditation, which trains the mind to let go, to let go and let go. And what you're doing is you're letting go of the thoughts, ideas, perceptions, the past, the future. You're training the mind to let go and kind of soften the mind and letting go of that hatred, letting go of that anger, letting go of that ill will, but letting go of all mental objects, all mental conditioning, right? Then when we move into loving kindness, what we're doing is we're bringing in this wholesomeness, these wholesome, active goodwill without judgment. So these affirmations that you do on the out breath, right? So we're going to be breathing in. And then on the out breath, May I be peaceful. And some people visualize like, almost like syrup going over you. And then when you get to we, or your mom, or your dad, or your life partner, or your neighbors. So what you're doing is you're transforming the mind to rather than think hostility, bitterness, anger. Oh, I don't like this person. I don't agree with them. They don't agree with me. Oh, they looked at me funny. They commented negatively about the clothes I wore today. Instead, you're saying, you know, let's just say Barbara, right? I don't know if we have any Barbaras here. I don't think so. <laughs> if, we, uh, if we have a Barbara at work and, and there's been some problems between us and Barbara, well, rather than hold on to that bitterness, then what we're going to do in this ring is eventually we'll get to, may Barbara be peaceful, May Barbara be safe. May Barbara be well. May Barbara be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. And we're not changing Barbara through our meditation, but we're changing our mind. This change isn't going to happen in just one session. It's going to take many sessions. But now when we're around Barbara, that affirmation of may I be peaceful, right? May Barbara be peaceful. May I be safe. May Barbara be safe. This is going to come through in your intentions, your speech, in your actions as you interact with this person. So this change is a gradual change that shifts in the mind so you can let go of the hostility and bitterness and bring in this active goodwill without judgment.
2: Hi David, I had a question of clarification. Loving-kindness meditation isn't so much about projecting loving-kindness out into the world, it's about cultivating it within ourselves, right?
1: Exactly, you're cultivating it within this mind, right? You're cultivating it within this mind. And the reason, like I mentioned, that we're starting with I is because oftentimes people harbor these negative self-talk in your own mind, directed at yourself, directed at your own self. So if you never get over that, but instead you're trying to cultivate all this loving kindness for Barbara, but you still look at yourself very negatively and you have lots of harsh words for yourself when everything's quiet, then it's going to be hard for you to have loving kindness for Barbara when you don't even treat your own self kind. You don't even have this genuine interest in your own self being peaceful. So that's why what we're doing is we're cultivating and improving the condition of our mind, starting first with I. But then, even when we move through these successive rings, we're changing how our mind relates to Barbara and how our mind relates to other people in our life. And the way that some people choose to form their rings is you know, starting with I, of course, with with yourself, then go to people that you're fairly on good terms with that, like maybe it's your life partner or your children, or if you have a good relationship with your mom and dad and your siblings or something like this, people who are uh, somewhat easy for you to get along with. Then you kind of go to groups of people that maybe you haven't really interacted with very much and maybe more neutral, like your neighbors or other people that you know are just kind of acquaintances and then kind of going to some of the more challenging people that you are finding it challenging to have loving kindness for and going to them as a ring and then ultimately getting to all beings where you don't want to leave out any beings whatsoever and sometimes i go through the five realms Sometimes I go through animals, different beings that way. Sometimes I even go all the way out to aliens, right? Because there are surely beings on other planets living somewhere. We can't be the only ones, right? That would be pretty egotistical of us to think that we're the only ones in this whole entire world, right? So someday perhaps there's other beings from other planets walking around here in this world So we need to include them, perhaps, if you understand that they exist, if you like. And essentially, you're not leaving anyone out. You're starting with yourself. You're going to all beings so that now you've transformed the mind that when you're around anybody and anyone, any beings, you are now practicing being peaceful, being safe, being well, being free of discontentedness in the way that you can move the mind in meditation, then in daily life, I mentioned practice being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings.
2: Thanks, David. That's a great reminder that while much of the practice on a superficial level seems outward focused, it is inward focused, and that's the heart of it, is changing our own minds.
1: Yes, this entire path is all about changing your mind, right? You are not able to change another person's mind. And even if you could, that would be a very difficult, challenging thing for you to ever do. All you can do in this world is change your mind. And that's going to be challenging enough, right? The unenlightened mind thinks that it has to change everyone else. And this is what it does is it goes around thinking that you are perfect and now you've got to go around and get your husband or wife to do this and your children to do this and your boss has got to do things this way and your co-workers have got to do things this way. And it wants to change this external world because it doesn't like the way things are happening. It doesn't like all this unpleasantness. It doesn't like all this disagreeable things because it's craving this permanence of pleasant feelings all the time. So the unrelated mind wants to go around and fix everybody else rather than look at these natural laws of existence and understand impermanence that not everyone's going to talk to you politely. Not everyone's going to talk to you in a respectful way because of impermanence. So therefore, you can go around and be angry and try to fix all these external people which there's are 7.5 billion people in the world. How are you ever going to change even 100, let alone 7.5 billion, right? So you don't have to change 7.5 billion. You don't even have to change 100 people. You only have to change one mind. Because if you train your mind in Gautama Buddha's teachings, not only with loving kindness meditation, but all the other teachings, then whether someone's speaking polite and kind with you, or they're speaking impolite and unkind, your mind can still be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy because your mind will be deeply trained to understand impermanence. Your mind will be deeply trained to not speak evil and talk angrily to people. And even when somebody's talking angrily to you, you'll know you haven't been talking this way to people for six months or a year or two years. So when somebody shows up in your life and starts being disrespectful or they're starting to be angered or harsh, you know that it's them because your mind can be peaceful knowing that you haven't been speaking this way for many, 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 many years. And that's how you extinguish all your unwholesome gamma. So when I first started practicing this path really closely, prior to that, I had been going around speaking pretty unkind to certain people in my life, including my wife. So when I started practicing this path really closely, I had cleaned up my conduct, but she was still kind of hostile and angry at me. So I went through about a year and a half, two years or so of her still being hostile and upset with me. But slowly over time, this was extinguished more and more and more and more and more. Of course she had to do the work, but in the past where I was hostile and she was hostile and I was hostile and she was hostile, it's like a rubber ball bouncing around in the concrete room, it never stops. It just keeps bouncing around and bouncing around. But by me completely cleaning up my conduct and not reacting back with hostility, when she would talk with me in a hostile way, and I was just unaffected by it. She could see that it was her. It wasn't me. And more and more and more and more, she started realizing it was her that was being hostile. It wasn't me at that point. But this was still my unwholesome gamma coming back to me because I had conditioned her mind that in the past, when I was hostile and aggressive, she learned this is how to talk to David, because that's how David used to talk in the past. But slowly over time, what she realized is that David's not talking that way anymore. So she had to improve her conduct. So if you're in a relationship now where both of you guys, whether it's your life partner or your children or other people in your life, where both of you guys are talking harshly with each other, you clean up your conduct and you train your mind to be unaffected by that. Now the other person's going to slowly realize they're the ones who are always being hostile and angry. Your mind is calm and peaceful and you're not speaking any evil words whatsoever. And this other person is either going to change their conduct or you guys will decide to potentially part ways perhaps. But you're not trying to change the other people here. You're improving your practice through that wisdom through moral conduct, and through mental discipline. And by you doing that, now you improving your conduct, you will see things start shifting around you just because of the cause and effect of this natural law of gamma. You changing and improving your practice, things are going to start shifting around you however they need to shift.
2: Thanks, David. Let's go to Bassem now for our Zoom questions. Well, uh, thanks,
3: James. Uh, a question here from my Holly She says, for people you have a difficult relationship with, you say the words, even though you may not feel like you mean it at the time.
1: Yes, exactly. That's the idea, is that right now the mind might be harboring, and it probably is, harboring bitterness or hostility, resentment for certain people in your life, or even certain people in the past who are no longer part of your life. But... You decided at one point to move them out of your life for whatever reason, but maybe even they've been gone for 5, 10, 20 years, but the mind is still harboring this resentment, this hostility, this bitterness. That's only hurting you. So whether those people are still in your life or they're no longer in your life, you've got to eliminate that hostility, that bitterness. So you still say these affirmations regardless And during that time where I was working on this with my mom, included in my meditation, I didn't see her for about five, six, eight years, perhaps. And her and I decided to kind of separate. And I was working on my own mind. And I needed to eliminate that resentment that I had towards my mom. And once I did, then I was able to re-engage and have a very healthy relationship with her. So even if you don't feel it, particularly if you don't feel it, those people have to show up in your meditation so that you can now transform this hostility and resentment into this active goodwill, this genuine interest in others being well. So not judging them, but ensuring that everybody and anyone on the face of the earth that you cultivate this loving kindness for. Something else that I can share with you that might make this a little bit easier is Gautama Buddha shared that through all of our countless past lives that there is no being that is in existence today that hasn't previously been your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, or some other relative. So in past lives, when you were a snake or a lizard or ape or crocodile or, or even a human being or, or even in some of the other realms, every single being that is in existence today was your family member at some point. So maybe Bassam and I were sisters when we were lizards and Holly was my dad when I was an ape and you were an ape or uh, Jacqueline was my sister when we were human beings, right? So this kind of goes along with what we kind of talk about in our culture is how we should really look at everybody as family. Well, the Buddha, he actually does give exactly the reason why, because of these countless lives that we've had prior to this one, that every single being in existence today has previously been one of our relatives. So cultivating this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment is really helpful for you to now start relating to people as if they are close relatives. And if you have hostile relationships with your close relatives, maybe you haven't yet experienced what it's like to have true love and unconditional love from people around you. But one of the things that we do here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, is when we go out into public spaces and we're at a restaurant and there's waiters or waitresses, food servers, taxi drivers, there's people that come to our house to deliver water or, like I mentioned, pizza or food. We refer to everybody as big brother, little brother, big sister, little sister, mom, dad, grandma, grandfather. So like when I go to the post office, there's an old man and an old lady that work in there. And I call them mom and dad when I go in there in Thai, right? And then when the young delivery drivers come to deliver us stuff. I refer to them as little brother, right? And this creates an environment here in Chiang Mai where everybody looks at everybody as family and we're all just kind of peacefully coexisting with each other. And I know from my experiences in America that I didn't really have good relationships with my family growing up. So it might be hard for you to think about a real loving, kind, warm family unless that's the type of family you come from, which there's plenty of those that do exist in America. But since I didn't have that experience growing up, it wasn't until I started spending time around Thais that I started experiencing that. And not even just Thai people, but Asian people in general. When I was around Indonesian people and Filipino people and Koreans and Chinese and Vietnamese and all these different Asian cultures, they really understand these family values and how to treat each other polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. So the more that you do this with all beings, you will see that this loving kindness that you're putting out is going to come back to you. So if you have in your mind what a loving, caring, respectful relationship is with family, Perhaps view everybody around you as family, whether it's a FedEx driver, a pizza driver, a taxi driver, even that person who cuts you off in traffic, right? Okay, brother, go ahead. You can have it, right? Okay, sister, you can have it, right? And even in America, I think people have been for the last five, 10, 20 years started calling each other brother and sister, right? So I encourage you to use that kind of language in the mind and relate to people that way, because it's going to be really helpful in transforming your mind and treating people with this politeness, kindness, friendliness, and respectfulness.
3: The Holy you continue asking, and how do we make this not a wish for the person to
1: change? Yes, you focus internally on your own mind. Even though you might have to visualize This ring is being the individual or a group of individuals. You focus on transforming your own mind, not transforming them. Right. So it's got to be all internal in your own mind.
3: Here Gloria is sharing her opinion. She's saying, I agree. We aren't alone in this universe. It's beautiful and kind.
1: Yeah. So there's like two sides here, right? On one side, this life practice, this path to enlightenment, it's an independent journey. You've got to realize that you really are here alone in in a lot of respects in terms of you can't be dependent on someone else to remind you to meditate, for example. You can't be dependent on somebody to remind you to read and practice these good, wholesome teachings. You have to come to class. You need to seek guidance from the teacher. So in a lot of respects, many, many respects, it's an independent journey to enlightenment. This life is an independent journey. But on another side, the mind has to recognize this interconnectivity that it has to all beings around us. That because of this cause and effect, this action result, the results of our decisions, this cause and effect, we're interconnected to all beings around us. So the mind has to be able to acknowledge and practice both sides of that is on one hand you need to have the energy and the effort to learn and practice and be an independent person but on another side you have to understand how your decisions affect others as we are all connected individually throughout the entire world
3: okay Uh, a comment from nick i'm glad you shared about your mom future david I had a very similar situation with my mom. The conditions sounds extremely similar.
1: Yeah, you know, we really struggle. I think in Western culture with family relationships. I know I did, and I know a lot of the friends and coworkers around me did. And uh, it's unfortunate because that's just how we grew up. And I think in a lot of ways we've lost that elders, right? Respecting the elders and. You know, we got so busy in Western culture with work, 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 money, 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 fame, fortune, you know, wealth, uh, all this esteem. And we've been chasing that for many, many decades in the Western world. And it's these good, wholesome teachings in Asia where people have really stayed true to their families and ensuring that They're maintaining that cohesive group and maintaining the wisdom in the culture where there's this respect for elders and the elders pass down the wisdom to the younger generations. So there's a lot for us to learn from these type of cultures. And whatever is going on with your family relationships now, it's all impermanent right? It's all impermanent. Whether it's a really bad relationship or you have multiple bad relationships around you, that's all impermanent. You can change all of that, but you'll never be able to change relationships with others as long as your mind is still the same way. So what this practice and this path is doing is focusing you on improving the condition of your mind. So then six months, a year, three years from now, if you choose to engage and as you choose to engage more and more with people in the world, you're doing so through these good, wholesome teachings, these good, wholesome practices where you're practicing right view, right intention, right speech, right action, and right on down the line. And now you're building good, wholesome relationships. And if there's people in your life that you've decided that you're never going to talk to ever again, because maybe they've done some really unfortunate harm, right? Like there's some people in the world that have experienced sexual abuse or physical abuse or mental abuse. And your mind might have decided, I'm never going to be around this person ever again. And I completely understand why. That's understandable. However, at the same time, you need to get to the point where you don't harbor any resentment and hostility towards this person. You may not ever see them and you may choose to never involve them in your life again, which again is completely understandable. But this resentment, anger, hostility, or bitterness, it's just kind of being victimized all over again. It's you actually harming your own mind. It's actually you holding on to this. And now it's continuing to affect you in more and more and more and more relationships that you're in. So one of the ways to eliminate this harshness is not only with loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in daily life, but having new relationships where you learn how to have healthy relationships. So if you've been abused by parents, for example, and you have fear and anxiety about being around people who are kind of in a parenting role that are older than you. Well, one of the ways for you to repair this and fix this in the mind is to now have healthy relationships with people of similar uh, circumstances. Because what's going to happen in the unelated mind is this harm that you experienced as you were growing up or throughout your life, the unelated mind is going to want to hold on to this. That's that clinging where the mind holds on to the pain and the harm in the resentment and the hostility. And that's why we're training the mind with breathing mindfulness meditation first to let go. And then after we've done that for a period of time, now we're gonna bring in the loving kindness and the way that you now transform this where the mind has been harmed by people around you, maybe a boss or coworker or a life partner or abusive relationship, as you train your mind now stepping out into the world and having new relationships where you see that not everybody's going to treat you the same way as those other people. That's where the fear and anxiety comes in is because the mind is holding on to this harm and the mind doesn't understand impermanence. The mind thinks that perhaps if we were harmed by relatives or people around us, that now the mind is holding on to that and it's thinking that everybody's going to treat us that same way because the unrelated mind is expecting permanence. But now through understanding and permanence and that that was an isolated situation, and now you can actually open up to the world more and more and more and kind of emerge from this shell that we oftentimes create in the unenlightened mind, as we push everybody away and we push everybody away, we create this very isolated life that the Buddha talks about as seclusion or solitude. We get very isolated. And now that we work on our mind and you improve how you understand the world and you improve how you relate to other people, you can step out into the world and now build healthier relationships and build a whole new life but you're still going to need to let go of this resentment and hostility that you have for other people that perhaps were once in your life or that are currently in your life
3: okay uh, a question here uh, actually two questions uh, The first one may i be safe may i be peaceful of course these are not desires or it will be a kind of attachment but the question is safe from what a practitioner after eliminating the ego There is no kind of harm is coming. So uh, peaceful for what and safe for what?
1: This is just a way to use an affirmation that is non-burdening. You can actually change these if you would like. These are the, the phrases that I use and that I know work. And you're welcome to use these if you like. But I don't have any particular thing that I'm saying be... Uh, safe from what other than harm be well from what you know just be well in general be peaceful be serene be calm this is just a non-burdening affirmation that i'm using that i know works but you can change these if you like just be sure that it doesn't burden you or others so you wouldn't say may i be kind because that requires you to do something okay
3: uh, second question Uh, Loving kindness, Uh, the goal here is just to eliminate ill will and cultivate uh, loving for all beings. So is it an endless objective Uh, with the meaning of uh, after eliminating uh, ill will, a practitioner will also be uh, required or will need to continue practicing loving kindness?
1: There's nothing in this practice that is required. Everything is done by choice and you choose to learn and practice, what we do as teachers is we guide you and we point the way to awakening the mind and enlightenment, and then you make the choice of learning, reflecting, and then practicing so you can see the truth for yourself. With that said, once you eliminate ill will, hatred, and anger from the mind, you won't need to practice this any longer. You'll still practice breathing mindfulness meditation, but you won't actually need to practice this.
3: Okay, thanks, teacher. Sure. Uh, no more questions for now.
1: Okay, so let's start our meditation then. Go ahead and pull up your meditation cushion or if you're going to stand or you're going to lay, get your body comfortable like we always do for meditation. And I'm going to start out with just guiding you in breathing mindfulness meditation like I always have. And then at some point, I will come back in with loving kindness and helping to guide you in that. So just go ahead and close your eyes. And as you close your eyes, ensure that the body is comfortable. The lower body should be comfortable, not painful. The upper body should be erect. The hands and arms, I've given you different positions that you can put those in in order to be comfortable. So the body should be comfortable but not luxurious. With the eyes closed and the body stable, comfortable but not luxurious, start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in and out, breathing in and out. Don't be concerned about sinking your breath up to the cueing that I'm doing. You breathe in and out at your own pace. The breath should be natural. Take a nice full breath, experiencing the whole breath. And then releasing and letting go through the nose the whole breath. Breathing in. And out. breathing in and out you just stay here focus on the breath I'm gonna do some chanting to ease us into meditation and then I'll be back with some more guidance
4: A-da-hang. Sammasam Motom NAMANG NAMASA MEEN SUPATHE PANOM HAKA VATTO SAVAKA SANGKHO SANGKHANG NAMAMI Nap more her sap hacker vato, harahato, some ma, some pota sa. harahato, some ma, some Nap more BHAGAVATO sab hako ato, Ara ato, some ma, some potasa. It be Wichajaranang Samhono Sakato rogawitu Anu te Manu sanang should
1: be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Take a nice, natural breath, breathing in and out. Breathing in. And out. Just going to provide a little bit of guidance here, just in case it's your first time joining. As the mind goes to the past or to the future, cut it off, let it go. Focus the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in and out. Breathing in. If there's any thoughts, ideas, or perceptions that come to mind, wherever you notice the mind has wandered, you haven't done anything wrong, no need to feel guilty or shameful, don't try to label the thought or judge it. Don't even try to figure out where it's coming from. Wherever you notice it, that the mind is not on the breath, just cut it off, let it go. Bring the mind back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. I'm going to leave you to just focus on the breath. And then at some point I'll come back in with guidance for loving kindness meditation. Just focus on the breath. Breathing in. out breathing in and out. Continuing to focus on the breath, breathing in and out. Breathe at your own pace, wherever you get to your next out breath. Repeat this affirmation in the mind on the out-breath. May I be peaceful. Be safe. Be well. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Peaceful.
4: May we be safe.
1: We be well. May we be free from discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Beings be peaceful. May all beings be safe. beings be well. May all beings be free discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Continue to focus on the breath Breathing mindfulness meditation. Breathing.
4: hara sammasam mutam mahakavam bhutam Sāmaṁ namāsāmeen Sūpādhipaṇo Nap more has a hako ato. Arahato is the man NAPMORHASA BHAGVATO HARAHATO Sama hotter we char and dhāma-sāti-sātā-tāvā-manu-sādhāṁ Okay,
1: you guys can start to slowly come out of meditation. I decided to just keep our meditation somewhat straightforward and simple for today, since it's our first time doing loving-kindness meditation together in this version of the group learning program. Each Wednesday from this point forward, the loving-kindness meditation will change and it'll be different each time, just to give you kind of a variety of different ways that you can do loving-kindness meditation. The idea is, is that now you start integrating this into your practice. So if you've been tracking along in this program and doing breathing mindfulness meditation for the last four weeks, now start inserting this in. You might choose to insert it in every session. You might choose to do one session with it, one session without it. You might choose to do Two sessions with it, one without it, totally up to you. That's the independent aspect of this practice. You've got to decide, you know, you've got to have awareness of mind, you've got to have mindfulness. If you've got hate and anger, hostility, resentment in the mind, you should know that. And you know that. So you decide where, how often, you know, when you would like to implement this. If you would like to stick with these three simple rings for the first week, go ahead and do that. It's kind of a good way to just kind of get underway with the loving kindness meditation. And then each week when you hear me kind of switching it up and doing different things, then you can incorporate some of that stuff. But remember, this is a gradual progression, a gradual practice. So there's no harm in just keeping with the basics for a week or two or even longer if you like right? So just kind of build this up slowly. So we're not building a house of cards. We're building a nice solid foundation step by step by step. So continue with your meditation each day and then integrate this in. And if you're doing two or three sessions a day, like I mentioned, you can do one session with it, one session without it. And now that you're implementing something new into your practice, your mind might not like it right away, right? Because your mind craves permanence. So if you've been doing four weeks of breathing mindfulness meditation and that's all you've been doing, what I've taught you so far, the first time you do this, it might feel a little bit awkward and feel weird. Maybe even the fifth or sixth or tenth time. Because remember, the mind doesn't like impermanence. The other way to say that is the mind craves permanence, right? It is doesn't like change this represents a change to your practice so here today you might have been like "Eh, i didn't really get that much out of it that's because it's new you just started it it's changed the mind wants to probably reject it right away potentially so you've got to be dedicated and committed have confidence in the buddha have confidence in the teachings have confidence in the community have confidence in your teacher, have confidence in your own abilities and stick with this and be dedicated to it. As you have questions, you can post those in the Facebook group. You can send me a private message. You can schedule personal guidance if you like. But this is the practice that is going to eliminate and abolish, completely demolish and destroy anger, hatred and ill will. Doing loving kindness meditation and then moving loving kindness into your daily life through treating all beings polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. One question that came in prior to our meditation was, you know, what is the peacefulness, safety, well, from what? And I would like to just answer that a bit better than what I did previously. The peacefulness is from discontentedness, right? We're attempting to move the mind to this enlightened mental state through acquiring a peaceful mind. Safe from what? Safe from discontentedness. Being well from what? From discontentedness, right? So that last statement is summing all of this up, is that you're liberating the mind through loving kindness. We talk about liberating the mind through wisdom Well, now you've got some more wisdom about loving-kindness meditation, about how loving-kindness transforms the mind. Now you've got that intellectual understanding. Now you've got to reflect on this, and then you've got to move it into practice. Don't believe what I'm saying here. Don't believe me. Practice it for many weeks. Not only the meditation, but practicing loving-kindness in daily life, and then you see how It improves your life, how it improves the condition of the mind, how it improves your daily practice, your life practice. So don't believe anything that I've shared with you today, but practice it so that you can see the truth for yourself. Are there any questions that you guys have, either Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom? I
2: have a question, David. I noticed that during loving kindness meditation, you leave a gap of perhaps. 10 to 20 seconds between the affirmations. And I was wondering if you can explain why that is and what benefits that has for our living kindness meditation.
1: Yes. One of the things that I was thinking to do with you guys is help you to see how my breath is because I was working with a student recently in a private session and I realized that their breath was pretty shallow and you can still meditate with a shallow breath you know their their breath was about 3 or 4 seconds where my breath is tending to be 15 20 seconds on the inhale and 15 20 seconds even sometimes 30 seconds on the exhale too on the inhale and exhale you know it's it's equal space but it's very slow and very elongated where i'm experiencing and breathing in every single aspect of the breath almost like every little molecule of the breath so when i'm breathing in it's a 10 15 20 second sometimes 30 second inhale and then on the exhale i'm going to say that affirmation and slowly bring the air out without the air being controlled it's going to come out very slowly and this loving kindness is just going to ooze out of the mind And then between the groupings, like may I and may we, I'm going to take two or three inhale and exhales there before I go to the next grouping. Because I really like to make sure that that grouping really soaks into the mind. So I'm really experiencing every aspect of the breath. And this is during breathing mindfulness meditation too. So if I was to close my eyes and use my hands kind of like opening up like this is breathing in, closing down is breathing out. I would like to show you my inhale and exhale so you guys can get a sense of that. So here we go. I'm going to breathe in, okay? That was just two breath cycles, two inhales and two exhales. So I'm not sure how long that took, but that's how I'm breathing. Just experiencing every little breath. It's a full inhale and a full exhale and experiencing every aspect of the breath. Now, the Buddha teaches that you can breathe in long or you can breathe in short. There's no perfect amount of inhale and exhale. But what I noticed early in practice is I tended to be very shallow in the breath and my breath was very rapid. And this was because the mind was kind of overactive and overthinking during meditation. So there were some times in meditation where I was almost hyperventilating. where It was like, right? Because the mind was just overactive. I had to really focus on slowing down the breath. And by slowing down the breath, the mind was experiencing the breath slower and slower and slower. And that slowed the mind down as well. So I encourage you guys, if you're noticing that you're breathing in just three or four seconds and it's really short, is to elongate your breath because this is gonna help to slow the mind down, right? You don't wanna take these big gulps of air and these big exhales of air. You would like it to be nice and steady and slow, but without really forcing or controlling the breath, just a nice, slow, gradual inhale, in a nice, slow, gradual exhale, okay?
2: Thanks, David. We have a question on Sam, so let's get a bosom now. Okay, Uh, uh, two questions from Sarah. She's asking, what do
3: I do if sending these wishes to a person I have problems with makes me feel very uncomfortable or even sad during meditation? Just observe it or going back to the breath?
1: Yeah, this is part of unraveling the mind, Sarah, that I've talked about in other classes where if you've had experiences happen to you in the past and you've just kind of buried that and kind of, you know, tangled it all up in this ball of twine, as you start unrolling this ball of twine, the feelings are going to surface, these uncomfortable feelings. But see, that's part of the problem is these uncomfortable feelings are buried deep down inside the mind and they haven't been dealt with and they're just burdening the mind the mind is holding on to them and now that's influencing your conduct in your uh, relationships in other parts of your life this meditation as you're unraveling the mind can oftentimes surface feelings of resentment and hostility and you can actually in the meditation more hostile than you were when you started I had this with my mom that I would sometimes start meditation and by the time I was done I would be more angry and hostile. Before meditation I was peaceful, I was calm, but afterwards I I was actually pretty resentful and hostile because those feelings had surfaced. But what you're doing here is you're wiping that clean. You're getting rid of it. Because if you leave it buried in that ball of twine, or you keep sweeping the dust under the carpet like we all do for so long, the mind's holding on, craving permanence, then that stuff's just going to keep affecting you and keep hurting you. So use these meditations to allow things to surface. And then when they do, that's why we put that breathing mindfulness meditation at the end as well to kind of wipe it clean. So we start out with breathing mindfulness meditation, try to center the mind, stabilize the mind, let go as much of the chatter as we can, bring in the loving kindness. And if any feelings, uh, hostility or harshness, bitterness arises, then we're letting it go at the end. So that's why you don't need to time your meditation because you may need more time at the end. And if you kind of falsely set up just two, three, five minutes, You might need actually more time there. So that's why we don't time our meditations. And this can allow those feelings to surface and then wipe them clean. And as you do this more and more and more, eventually you'll get to the other side of this where the mind is more awake and you've let go of this burden of carrying around this bitterness or hostility and the mind will be light. And the Buddha calls, you know, tranquility or equanimity he talks about. In the mind, as the mind releases this burden.
3: Okay, uh, Sarah continues. And uh, should I continue focusing on the breath, or the person, or group person? Uh, sorry, or uh, person group to which I send these sentences?
1: Yeah. So continue to focus on the loving kindness meditation while you're in there, and then when you're outside of the loving kindness meditation and the breathing mindfulness, focus on the breath. But remember, you're not necessarily sending wishes to people. You're focusing internally where you're changing the condition of your mind that now when you're around these people, you will start functioning in a more peaceful way because you've changed your mind. So we're not sending prayers or sending wishes to others. You're actually focusing on influencing and changing the condition of your mind.
3: Okay. Uh, thanks, short. Uh, no more questions
1: for that. Yeah, I think Sarah was also might have been the person who asked about this another time, is that if you're noticing that you're getting deep in your meditation in several weeks and you're having a, a lot of things kind of shifting and moving around and a lot of uncomfortableness happening, you know, you can slack off your meditation for a couple of days and then kind of ramp it back up if you need to. And this kind of can give the mind a little bit of a break. So sometimes things can get pretty uncomfortable as you're awakening the mind and unraveling all of these resentment and all the things that we're harboring in the unenlighted mind as we're awakening. The mind can get to a place where it's very uncomfortable. And that's understandable because all these things are surfacing. And if you're noticing that, just... Keep going with it as much as you can for as many days as you can. But then ultimately, if you need to take a few days break, kind of let things stabilize and even out before you move back into loving kindness and breathing mindfulness and really going at it again, you know, feel free to do that. If you were doing all this meditation, you were learning all these teachings and nothing was changing, nothing was shifting and changing, that would be a concern, right? Right. So if you're noticing in these meditations and outside of meditation that things are shifting, things are changing, things are starting to surface, there's a bit of uncomfortableness that's going on, or even a lot of uncomfortableness, this is actually a really, really, really good sign. It means things are starting to soften up. You're kind of breaking things away at the edges. The mind is softening up, and this is starting to be released from the mind. So, this is an indication and a good sign that things are shifting and changing and moving. So, don't back away, don't shrink away from it. But if you need to do that for a period of time just to kind of give the mind a break, go for it. But then get right back on the horse, get right back in the saddle and continue to train the mind because some really good things are happening for you. And as long as you can stay in the meditation, as long as you can continue to meditate each day, and you know, it might be uncomfortable, but it's bearable, right? You're going to have to go through some uncomfortableness to get to the other side of this. So as long as it's uncomfortable, but it's bearable, just keep on going each day and just know and have confidence that all of that uncomfortableness is impermanent. And you can get on the other side of this where the mind is more fully awake and these unwelcome thoughts and feelings and emotions will have dissipated
3: Okay. Uh, Thanks, Tisha,
2: for uh, today's class. Uh,
1: No more questions. Okay. Any more questions from you, James? Uh,
2: That seems to be all the questions we have for today.
1: Okay. I would like to just, like I mentioned, encourage you guys to use this meditation and then bring the practice of loving kindness into your daily life. Each Wednesday, we're going to be doing this. And I won't be teaching the loving kindness meditation, just like we did with breathing mindfulness. I taught it the first time, and then subsequent Wednesdays, we just actually did it. So that's what we're going to do next Wednesday and the following Wednesdays is we're just going to say, hello, welcome, glad you're here. We're just going to move right into loving kindness meditation and working to elongate this more and more and more and giving you a variety of different ways of doing loving kindness meditation so that you can incorporate this into your practice and into your life. As you guys have questions, feel free to reach out. So enjoy the meditation, have fun with it, and just know that things might get a bit squirrely, a little bit challenging before they actually get better, and that's a really, really good sign. But if things don't get that way, that's fine too. Don't have any expectations of what meditation should be or what it shouldn't be. Just stay dedicated to the practice, stay diligent, And as you continue to learn and practice these teachings, the mind will awaken more and more and more. So until next time, I'll see you on either Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday, where we're going to be doing our Pali Canon English study group on Saturday. On Sunday, we're going to be in chapter one of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. And then on Wednesday, we're going to be doing Loving Kindness Meditation again together. So thank you so much for joining. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment.